Welcome to This Week in the Warner Archive Collection, where we discuss our newest releases. I'm George Feltenstein, and I'm proud to be joined by my colleagues, Matt Patterson and D.W. Ferranti. We have a simply scintillating sextet of six new additions to the Warner Archive Collection as we add on DVD six new films that have never been on DVD before. And I would say within the case of most of them, they are making their home video debut. So this is quite an auspicious occasion. The films are Born Reckless from 1958, a guilty pleasure indeed with Mamie Van Doren and Jeff Richards in widescreen. And a film that has been maybe on DVD before, but from unauthorized distribution. This is now authorized and widescreen and looking wild and wonderful. During the hiatus between seasons of Star Trek, Mr. William Shatner, Captain Kirk himself, starred in White Comanche with Joseph Cotton, and we are bringing you the first authorized release of this cinematic masterpiece. And he used the word masterpiece, literally. And then, <laughs> last but not least, from 1963, which is when it opened in the UK, it opened here a little later, we have a very interesting and fascinating film that you're sure to enjoy called The Wild Affair, starring Nancy Kwan, famous for the world of Susie Wong, Flower Drum Song, and many other films. Then we go back to America's darling, Shirley Temple, as she started to grow up. And she started to grow up when she got under contract to Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer for a film called Kathleen, made in 1941, co-starring Herbert Marshall. And then years later, to capitalize on the fact that she had recently gotten married in real life to actor John Agar, Shirley Temple co-starred with Guy Madison and French Otone in Honeymoon at RKO in 1947. And last but certainly not least, Adventure in Baltimore from 1949, in which Miss Temple co-stars with a future scion of television from Father Knows Best, of course, Robert Young, previously known as one of the great MGM leading men. So these are the six films that we're adding to the Warner Archive collection. There's a lot to talk about. Let the games begin. Gentlemen, let's start with Born Reckless. Mamie Van Doren, rodeo riding, singing. Mamie Van Doren. I think the ad campaign specifically calls out her uh, pants. A few months ago, we talked about The Lusty Men, which is mm. a fine rodeo film. Now, if you took that and put some... Lust. And a, a lower budget, this is what you'd get. Um, and by the way... And songs. Oh, yeah. And I was going to say... You can't leave there's out There's so songs. many songs. And an amazing, like, smoke machine that was always making it look like somebody was smoking cigarettes, like, right under the camera lens. I couldn't help but notice that every single time. We should speak in, in context of the fact that Mimi Van Doren was one of the Marilyn Monroe-esque blonde bombshells that Hollywood tried. There was only one Marilyn Monroe. Yes. But there were certainly other beautiful blondes who had attributes that were notable, who came to fame on the screen, Jane Mansfield being one of them, and Mamie Van Doren being another. Yes. Mamie Van Doren, of course, holds a special place in our hearts here at the Warner Archive because she was a co-star of Sex Kittens Go to College, one of our great classics. But in Born Reckless, she dons those very tight jeans, 
gets up on the stage and sings her heart out. Mm-hmm. And the Western Rodeo theme is fully in evidence throughout. She's also a stunt rider. Stunt rider and singer. And, and you know, the Lusty Men comparison is not <laughs> off base. It's not off. There's, there's a They'd protege. They'd make a great double feature. Yeah, would be they really would. amazing double feature. Because there's a protege and it's a circuit and there's an older, cooler guy who's let down by the lack of respect only... This has a slightly more uplifting ending. It's certainly more positive. Now, if you are one of the many thousands of brilliantly intelligent movie mavens who are seriously addicted to cinema and are a member of the people who subscribe to Warner Archive Instant, our subscription video on demand service, because you're not a movie lover unless you're a Warner Archive Instant subscriber, you may have seen Born Reckless before, albeit not in the director's intended original aspect ratio. Correct. Because we only had a 137 full frame version of this movie that did not give you what the director intended because this was a widescreen film. And its widescreen glory is now available in this remastered edition in a perfect widescreen presentation. See Mamie in the dimensions she deserves. There you go. So you will have not been born feckless if you choose (laughs) to watch Born Reckless. Now we'll move ahead about a decade to 1968. But there's still horses. And there's still horses. (laughs) I don't think it is a violation of the Prime Directive to say that White Comanche has a very special place in the canon of cinema history. Not only are if you're a fan of Star Trek, but if you're a fan of, let's just say, um, a classic Star Trek trope where there'd be sort of an evil version of the crew. There's not just that. If you're a fan <laughs> of, say, uh, Korok, uh, yes. there's a lot of reflexology in White Comanche and Star Trek Season 2 and Season 3. So much so that oh, this is... Season 1. If Star Trek were a Western that did not have any crew and was shot in Spain with a largely Spanish. (laughs) And with financing from yet another country. Yeah. Yeah. And co-starring Shatner's co-star from the Alexander TV movie, Joseph Cotton. Then you'd have this movie. Only it had Adam West too. Now, White Comanche is a film that normally uh, people might not invest with the seriousness it deserves. But I tell you this much. When it's on screen, you yeah. don't want to stop watching it. I, oh, no, you, you can't, can't stop you can't. watching You it. literally can't. And this version of White Comanche is someone that has seen White Comanche many times. And I mean this almost seriously. I didn't realize it was in color. No less did pe- did you realize it was in widescreen. Right. I've yeah. never seen it. Were, and, and those hairs weren't put in the gate on purpose. That's right. <laughs> You've never been able to see White Comanche look and sound this good before. We've created a new master from the best surviving elements. And in fact, this film, unbeknownst to most people, became part of the RKO Film Library at a time when RKO was no longer in the film business. So Mm. how that transaction happened, because this was independently produced and financed, but it ended up in the RKO Library along with another film in the late 60s. And nobody was really paying attention to that. And now, finally, we're giving credit where credit is due, giving White Comanche a proper presentation, as we're known to do at the Warner Archive. And let's briefly talk of the plot here. Yeah, it's not just your father's spaghetti western. No. Shatner plays two twins. 
half-breeds, as, uh, as they say in the film. One embraces his Comanche side. Nata, I think is Nota. his. Nota. And then Shatner is a little more down-to-earth as his brother, who identifies more heavily with the, the white settlers. Johnny. And I wouldn't say that. He he, he, he does identify he more is, with that culturally. No, he, he very much has speeches about how he is just the man on the outside. Unlike Nota, he is not journeying down the war path. That is true. But Nota is Shatner at his most insane. What's interesting about the film and, you know, watching it this time around, there's a few moments in it where you could see it turning into an altogether different kind of psychological thriller. You know, it is a Western and it is an action movie. Two different people. But there are moments where you start to doubt the Johnny Moon Shatner character's very identity and you wonder what's really going on here because these are two sides of the same person although they are two different people we spend a lot more time with johnny and johnny goes into town and he i guess befriends is probably the best word joseph cotton who is a a sheriff you know what makes these kind of semi-campy movies work is that the actors are taking the work very seriously right they were committed to their work and say okay this is the job i have this is the script that i was given i'm going to do my best I have to get up and go to work every morning. I want to do my best. And you and, see and a they, lot of and really... And they do. And they bring... You know, we've seen a lot of B and C Westerns uh, here, you know, in their various different forms. And this one is uh, riveting. So it, it, in that way, it almost isn't a guilty pleasure like this. It, it holds together on its own merits. And mostly, I think that's due to the actors. And well, Shatner loves horses, and it shows. Well, and I think, to your point, Matt, that also goes to apply to our next film, Wild Affair, which is a United Kingdom production. And speaking of interesting double features, White Comanche involves William Shatner talking to himself in a mirror. And so does Wild Affair with Dave Chappelle. Oh, there you go. You get a look at the swinging 60s in the UK before Blow Up. Yeah. And I think it's before the mod era, before Twiggy. Right right at the cusp. Right on the cusp. And what's really interesting about this film is if you look at not just how it was advertised, but its very own title sequence, it's very much positioned as sort of a guilty pleasure exploitation film. But it's actually a really good character drama. And she's terrific in it. And the issue of race isn't an issue. issue. That's what makes it very modern. That's what really makes it unique and and special and especially noteworthy. And I'm going to throw this out there. I'm pretty sure Matthew Weiner has seen Wild Affair because this office party is very much like a madman office party. I wouldn't put it past him. This is at its core an office comedy and a young woman, this is her last day. It also happens to be just before Christmas because she's going to go off and get married. And in 1963 when this was made, women would typically leave the workforce if you were, you know, the lower echelon. So actually most women. But she wants to do this her way. She wants to go out on a strong note that's uh, initiated by her. And she makes them have a Christmas party. And it does become wild. And she has a dark side that wants her to be a looser girl. And the party is set up by the dark side to let her sow her oats before she's married, yeah, and then the party careens out of control. But really, it's a very long character study. It focuses on her, but it is an ensemble picture. What's really great about this, and I would put it out there as a model to many screenwriters, is 
every minor character has mm-hmm. a full-blown arc in this film. Absolutely. And they yeah. also have a moment. Yeah. You really get to know who they are. And, and it's this terrific, I mean, Terry Thomas is that leading is good guy in the, the cast. Ensemble. And it's in the titles, they even put him forward as Terry Thomas, the comedic actor. But it's actually a dramatic role. And he's yep. really good at playing this sort of seedy but not bad man. And then Victor Spinetti. I mean, there's so many good actors in this film that you've seen deliver really great work in many, many British dramas, and they're all here doing their thing. This was distributed here in the United States by Allied Artists and uh, was not particularly a box office blockbuster, to say the least. It only received limited distribution and hasn't been seen very much at all since it came out. And when it would appear on television, it would, of course, be panned and scanned and not what the director intended. So once again, we have a widescreen remaster that finally brings this film available, not only available, but available in the proper way that it was intended to be seen. The mother is Bessie Love. Bessie Love from Broadway Melody, Mm. the 1929 Oscar-winning film. Yes, she and her husband, Ben Lyon, moved to Britain where they became big stars over there. And she appeared in, in several films uh, late, later in life. I think she's in Women in Love huh. or Sunday Bloody Sunday. I can't remember which one, but one of those two films, she played a telephone operator. I mean, she worked until she was quite elderly. But it is, in fact, uh, MGM's own Bessie Love from the 20s that you see in Wild Affair. And uh, and the vampire look. Let's not forget. Oh, yes. Gosh. Be- uh, yes, this t- film foretells goth 20 it, years, it, or 30 it, years early. Yeah, she gets a makeover, and they kept saying, this is the vampire look, and it's just... You know, to us, very simple goth look, and she's walking through the streets and everybody's reacting. I would like to think that somebody went went to see this in a movie theater in November of 1963, went home and turned on the BBC and watched a little show with a (laughs) toddler. That's what what I'd like to think. It's a a timey-wimey thing. But uh, in any case, we had to get our little Doctor Who reference in there. But these three films make their DVD debut as they're added to the ever-growing Warner Archive collection. We've got oodles and oodles of exciting things for you as 2015 kicks into high gear. And this is just the beginning. But now let's go from England to the U.S., into America's beloved little sweetheart as she started to grow up, Shirley Temple. And after years and years under contract at 20th Century Fox, Shirley Temple basically went down Motor Avenue from 20th Century Fox to MGM, Mm. where she signed a contract to be an MGM star, but it only lasted for one film, and that film was Kathleen, made 1941. And uh, after the film was released, Miss Temple and the studio decided to part ways amicably because she was at that awkward stage of wanting to grow up and she was not a little girl anymore, but not quite yet a young lady. And Kathleen kind of deals with that a little bit. Herbert Marshall plays her father and he's wonderful in the film. And uh, she's really a delight. She is- I was gonna uh, say, like, she's good. The film, is interesting and maybe some things could have worked a little differently. The ending is a little rushed. Why they dub her and have her doing an operetta when she was an accomplished singer on her own right, who knows, but she's great. I can tell you that they pre-recorded her mm-hmm. singing that there is a 
this is not a musical, but there's a fantasy yeah, there's musical a, sequence a, right. in the film, and I've heard her pre-recording. Mm. And I think, you know, we always talk about boys' voices changing. Well, women's voices change, too, as they grow older. And I think it was just the particular time in her life where her uh. voice was that they went for a different sound. But they did have her pre-recorded. I have heard the pre-recording. And she sounds like she did at 20th Century Fox. She had a very a small child's voice and I think they were trying to build her up a little bit. But it's the musical number I'm questioning. I mean, right. it's, she's having a fantasy about being in a Broadway show right. and they have her do something operatic. I mean, it's, it's it's really bizarre and yeah. I have a theory. I haven't I haven't checked the paperwork and I've been meaning to do this but I have a theory that she's and I don't know if this is true this is, I'll know this, maybe I'll answer it on the next podcast. Stay tuned. But I could swear that that's Catherine Grayson's voice dubbing hmm. her. Wow. And Catherine uh -huh. Grayson waited two years while under contract to MGM before she actually made her first film. So theoretically, huh. that is possible. I have to, I, on a lot of these pictures, I have files that I've been keeping over the years. And I have to see if I have files on Kathleen and if, in fact, that is Catherine Grayson. But it could be. In this film, it's very basic. She's a juvenile delinquent but before they had juvenile delinquents. <laughs> she's 12, and she's uh, rebelling against uh, her an governess. Inattentive father and an and uncaring governess. Totally unplugged dad. So and even at 20th Century Fox, she never had two happily married parents who were yeah. alive. She was always either an orphan or one parent was dead or you know i mean and you and know walt just, watched those movies yeah you know she well, just didn't have too much luck in the parent department and but she gets lucky when she meets uh lorraine day's character yes. a child psychologist very smart and tries to hook her up with her pops and eventually there is of course it's an mgm movie there is a happy ending. Yeah, you've got a little, you know, bratty kid running away, you know, some stuff. But I mean, out the window, down the dumbwaiter. Yeah, yeah. Having a dumbwaiter musical was, sequence with, you know, probably reuse sets from Broadway and Serenade. A, a very MGM elderly figure that she's friends with. Oh, yes. Well, Kathleen, where are you been? Shirley Temple had enormous talent, but was trapped by her own childhood typecasting and people had a hard time accepting her growing up and the, that changed i think with 1944 since you went away david o selznick's wartime home front drama which mm. is a wonderful film directed by john cromwell and shirley temple plays uh, jennifer jones younger sister claudette colbert's daughter and she's really great in it it's a dramatic role just in three short years you feel her maturity has mm -hmm. Settled, and I think she was probably about uh, 15, 16 at the time. And from then on, she had several successful roles in many fine films, including some that are in the Warner Library, like The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, mm -hmm. where she plays Myrna Loy's younger sister, which is some trick. But uh, I highly recommend all three of these films, the second of which is indeed an RKO film, like The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, but it was made a little before that. And this is Honeymoon from 1947. And I do believe that RKO had in mind an idea to uh, capitalize on the fact that America's little darling had grown up and gotten married at a very young age. Her first husband was John Agar, whom she appeared with 
in John Ford's Ford Apache in 1948. But in 1947, she starred in Honeymoon with Guy Madison from the recent Warner Archive release of To the End Till the End of Time. And Fran Chotone, who is an MGM stalwart from one of the Warner Archive's favorite leading men. And here it's really surely choosing who she want to be with more. This is a really <laughs> interesting comedy because there are elements in this film that harken back to pre-code but are heavily post-code. It has the structure of like a classic screwball remarriage comedy, only it's about a couple that is yet to be married. It's a triangle. You've got Francho Tone very much playing sort of the Bellamy role, only in this case, the Bellamy is a Cary Grant. And there's an interesting conceit of passion being ignited by landing on top of someone underwater. Nothing like a head wound to uh, change somebody's nothing, romantic attentions. Nothing at all Freudian about that. Nope. She's in Mexico. She's flown to Mexico. To meet her fiancé to, to get married. He's a serviceman. He's late. From Coming up from Panama Canal. Francho Tone is in Mexico. He has a fiancé. It's Rocky. He gets involved in trying to get the couple together. But passionate lines get crossed, and thank God for swimming pools. Yeah. Honeymoon is really a, an adorable delight, and it's a, one of those films that we've been hounded by mm -hmm. for years. People have been writing saying, when are you going to release Honeymoon? Now. And now is <laughs> the answer. We just had to remaster And it. you get two more temples with it. There you go. The dimples remained. Even though she grew up, she still had her dimples. Yeah, and it's so funny, like, her acting, that forthright, stubborn, I'm putting it yeah. down, I, that, that steely spine underneath all the feminine. I mean, it's the same. It's the same person, right. only now it's a woman. But you see it. It's like when she gets strident, you're like, right. she's oh, terrific. there's Heidi. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I guess why she became an ambassador. That's How do you say right. no? The last film in our triple delight of Shirley Temple Treats is Adventure in Baltimore from 1949, co-starring Robert Young. And this is a truly fine film and another film that has been highly requested and we bring it to you in a new sparkling Warner Archive Master. Shirley Temple here. They're going back in time a little bit, I guess, to 1905. The dawn of the suffragette movement. And she is a feisty, She's a firebrand. young girl who is kicked out of school for uh, being too... Free-thinking? Feminist, I guess, or suffragist. And uh, when she goes home to Baltimore, uh, she starts getting in, uh, uh, taking those progressive ideas and getting her pastor father perhaps in trouble. While uh, painting her boyfriend, John Agar. Yes, <laughs> in the buff. Mm -hmm. Who was in real life her husband. He was supposed to be in the buff, but it was not actually. I think there was a well-draped sheet involved. But the fact that uh, she would even do that imperiled her father's uh, possible ascendancy to being a uh, bishop, I believe. But it's Robert Young, so you yeah. know where he sits. Well. At certain times in the film, the continuity girl lost track of the amount of gray his hair was supposed to have. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, yeah you can watch the gray <laughs> change in... Yeah. Robert Young was a little young. Maybe he was dying his... Maybe the... On his way to the bishopry, he was dying it, his hair darker or something. Yeah, we don't really know. It's a, a good gift for the free thinker in your own family. And Shirley Temple has still such a huge fan base. Mm -hmm. You know, she passed away not too long ago, and uh, the impact that she had on generations of filmgoers was clear by the 
outpouring of emotion around the world for the loss of such a beloved talent. And everybody wants to own all of her films, regardless mm -hmm. of when she made them, whether she was a young lady or a little girl. And we wanted to make sure that everything was available, so we've released these three films, and we certainly hope you enjoy them. Now it's time to talk about Warner Archive Instant, our subscription video on demand service, that truly you are not a movie lover unless you are a member of this service, unless you've signed up and gotten your subscription. And remember that if you would like to try it and you haven't signed up yet, you could try it for one free month. You get a whole month's worth of hundreds of feature films and hundreds of hours of television programming for free. And once you try it, we're sure you're going to try it and like it. Also, gift subscriptions are now available. That's right. That's Good right. for any time of year. Valentine's Day is coming up. What a perfect gift for the Valentine in your life to give them the gift of cinema. Mac, PC, Roku, iPad. And, you know, if you uh, were giving this for, a, let's say, a romantic Valentine's Day gift, Dan, put that into context on what you watched this week. Yeah, or what your instant pick would be. I, I don't think it necessarily would be a Valentine's movie. <laughs> no, I well, was, I was setting up. it depends on how you look at it. My pick is uh, Lightning Strikes Twice from See? King oh, Vidor. Well, that would definitely be a... Valentine's Day. There's movie. romance and yes. murder and suspicion. <laughs> uh, romance. Yeah. Ruth Romance. Ruth, there we go. Ruth, Ruth Roman is the star of this King Vidor masterpiece, which is also available on disc from the Warner Archive collection. My pick, I decided to make it a double for Mamie. Untamed Youth from 1957. You know, there's a double D joke somewhere in there, but go ahead. <laughs> this is also available on disc, but it is streaming. And this is really... Born. She's a bad girl. Yeah, she's a bad girl She'd in this. She'd be a bad girl it, in but this she rocks. But she, she rocks. She rocks. And the beginning, uh, she's out there with her friend, her co-star played by Lori Nelson. They're uh, hitchhiking and skinny dipping, and they're caught by the police they're arrested and put in front of a judge and given a choice. They can serve out time in jail or they can go pick cotton on a farm with other untamed youths. And they choose the latter and meet a terrible, terrible fate that involves rock music, pernery. Per, is that per, how do you how do you say that word, Dan? You're better at those words. I don't me. know what words you're looking for. Indentured uh, servitude. Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. There's a lot of singing, dancing and drama. This was a film that, that had a little trouble with the censors and the studio was forced <laughs> to make some cuts before it was finally I, released. I believe the Catholic uh, Legion of Decency came out against this They would film. have said, you're going straight to you know where if you go to see this movie if the studio hadn't cut out a few shots. So they made those cuts so that it wouldn't be condemned. No, wow. I, found, I found a tagline uh, for this movie which was Kids turned rock and roll wild and the house of correction that makes them wilder. Well, there you go. And Untamed Youth is available. As you said, it's part of Warner Archive Instant and is also available on disc from the Warner Archive collection. So you can own it or you can try it on the service. My Warner Archive collection pick uh, for the Instant service is indeed also part of the collection on disc, but it is part of a collection of multiple features and that is a monogram cowboy collection featuring Jimmy Wakely 
And Jimmy Wakely was one of the singing cowboy stars of the movies. Gene Autry was his inspiration. And we've put out lots of Jimmy Wakely movies in our monogram mm -hmm. cowboy collections. But Brand of Fear is one of my favorites. And this one is now mm. streaming on Warner Archive Instant in the glorious high-definition 1080p presentation that Warner Archive Instant can often provide for classic motion pictures. So Brand of Fear co-stars Jimmy Wakely and dub Cannonball Taylor as his sidekick. And it's a typical 55-minute shoot-em-up, sing a couple of songs, boy loses girl, boy gets girl, boy saves the day, Jimmy is a hero. There's not much to the plot, but it's high in action, lots of fun, and uh, very, very much typical of the monogram cowboy pictures that Jimmy Wakely made during the 1940s that we love so much. That's like a lot of Western musicals for this week. Yeah, it is. And if you're interested in becoming a subscriber, you can go to instant.warnerarchive.com mm -hmm. and sign up for your free trial if you're not already a member. And if you're not already a member, we urge you to try it out. We're going to be adding new content on a frequent basis and new stuff just around the corner, as a matter of fact. Always new stuff. Always new stuff. Now, we love it when you send us letters. Letters are pieces of paper in envelopes that have stamps on them that go in the mailbox and you send them to us and we read them on the air. But today we don't have a letter. No, no one has sent us a letter in the last few weeks. That's very sad. But maybe there's a reason because we've moved. We have a new address. That's right. We've moved six floors down in the building, but we've moved up in stature. <laughs> so that's where everybody went. Uh, Dan has a lovely I new think if we went, If we went to the eighth floor, we would find, you know, hundreds of unread letters. We'll have to go they, back up there. Yeah, with a big satchel. It's too bad they cut off the stairway <laughs> and we can't climb up there anymore. And they placed those guards outside the That's door. That's true. You may not enter. So pay attention. We have a new address. It's one digit different. Please send your letters to Warner Archive Collection B160-2 3400 Riverside Drive, Burbank, California 91522. And we're looking forward to receiving your letters, and we're looking forward to so many big surprises we have in store for 2015 as Warner Archive Collection, both on disc and Warner Archive Instant, has multiplicity of pleasures waiting for you, both in terms of cinema and television, DVD and Blu-ray and streaming. We've got a lot of surprises ahead of you, and it's going to be a great year. So make sure you check in with our podcasts mm -hmm. and subscribe to our newsletter if you haven't already done so. Check us out on social media. We're always ready to hear from you and anxious to respond to you. You can see pictures of Dan's new cube. That's right. But in any event, we thank you for listening to this Warner Archive collection. And on behalf of everybody at the Warner Archive, I'm George Feltenstein. I'm Matt Patterson. Eat the peyote. Drug of the devil. Dream your dreams of hate. Nota. Thanks for listening. Look forward to the next Warner Archive Collection podcast.